Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. morning church please don't mind the guys at the back after the articulated reading of God's word I'll say this is the word of the Lord please be obedient by saying we have a long reading today so we're reading from Genesis chapter 41 from verse 33 to 36 46 to 49 53 to 57 and then to chapter 47, 13 to 25. I'll be fast, so. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint, the commissioners, com- appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food and this years they are, that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt during the seven years of abundance. The land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the field surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread all over the country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. There was no food. However, in the whole region, because the famine was severe, both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain that they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought the livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle, and donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. 
buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. This is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today from Pharaoh, for Pharaoh, here is seed for you, so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields as, you, as for food for yourselves and your household and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will become in bondage to Pharaoh. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, uh, West Teru, Teru, thank you. Thank you for that very articulated reading. Um, I do want to say that today's sermon, I can assure you this, if you are obedient to today's, to the, today's sermon, you will look on. So, I'm for everybody. <laughs> All right. Now, um, yes, thank you. If you're joining us for the first time, we're happy to have you. Um, you've come at a good time, I think. So some people say it's a very bad time, but it was a good time. We, we started a brand new series last week. It's a four-part series, and if you've not listened, uh, if you've not had a chance to listen to it, I would advise you to listen to last week's sermon because it sets the context for uh, what we are saying today. But I want to start with this. I don't know how many of us used to do riddles and jokes when we were growing up. Riddles and jokes, all right. Now, this is not so much a riddle. I want to ask a question, um, and it's something, it's like a conundrum in my own mind, and I'm trying to find out whether I can get the answer here, all right? It's sort of a riddle, but it's not really a riddle, and I want you guys to answer me. It's something I heard recently, and I'm not quite sure what the answer to this is. It's said like this. If trouble sleep and young girl go wake up, Waiting, you find. Okay. You go find that, and you go get that, have you? Now, there are some words I hear that if you throw in society, but if you throw in the church in particular, palaver you go find. Palaver you go get. So I decided, let's think about a few of them. The first one is, Money, right? You see, you drop money in church, people start to hold their pockets. People start to hold their wallets. People start, you know, looking at their app, like, what is this guy trying to take from me? And we, we decided to do a series on money, showing you that in this church, we liked what? Palava. <laughs> at least with this series. Second one is... Homosexuality. You see all of you. <laughs> and we've actually done a couple of sermons in our time on homosexuality. Again, trying to show you that in this church, we like to look for what? But there's a third one that I want to test out today and see whether some of you will still remain here. To show you that maybe this guy really, really, really 
Love's palaver. The third one is feminism. You are looking for wala. Let's talk about feminism. Dobu wala. Feminists. Who are feminists? Who likes feminists? Am I a feminist? Oh, sorry, good. Am I a feminist? Actually, I am a feminist. I am a feminist. I believe in feminism. See them, they're allowed, you see? You see, and now, now there's some people who are like, I now know who to look. This person is a troublesome person. Now, let me say this. I'm a feminist, but I am a kind of feminist. Because there's not one kind of feminism. Right? So I'm a kind of feminist. And let me explain the kind of feminist that I am. I, I believe in this. I'll believe in it all day, every day. I do believe that um, around the world, in many and most societies, that women have been systemically and systematically oppressed and marginalized. It is almost a near fact. I mean, an absolute fact. It's an ab virtually an absolute fact. Now, and I believe you have to recognize that and you have to address that particular issue. We have to be uh, individually and systematically trying to lift women up. All right? That's my kind of feminism. Now, that being said, you have to systematically and individually lift women up with at least three caveats. One, it should not be done in a way that ultimately institutes a mindset of victimization in women. Because if you do that, you're actually undermining what you are trying to achieve. Number two, it should reasonably call out men. It should reasonably call out men, because men have been part of the problem. But number three, whilst it's reasonably calling out men, it should not make men the enemies. Now, the reason I say that is because why I believe in, again, that kind of feminism is because of this. When women are marginalized and oppressed, it is not just a problem for women. It is a problem for men as well. You know why? The Bible says that when God created humanity, he created it male and female. It's not a, there was a humanity that was male and there's a humanity that is female. It is humanity is male and female. Therefore, if you are oppressing women, ultimately, the, biggest, the big problem that we're also having is the human problem. And therefore, when we are talking about lifting up women, in fact, here's how we can say it. You lift up humanity by lifting up women. And if you have that kind of mindset, then it is counterproductive to make men your enemies. You need to make men your allies. Are you following me? In the same way, last week, I set out a manifesto. And the manifesto was the Afro-Gospel funded by Afro-Capitalism. Right? Do you remember that? Yeah. Now, I am, still, I am unapologetic about it. And what I was trying to say last week is that the marginalization of, and I just want to talk about African Christianity, even though I talked about Africans, but the marginalization of African Christianity is a problem not only for African Christianity, it's a problem for global Christianity. And so if you are going to eventually lift up African Christianity, you are ultimately lifting up global Christianity. So when I was calling that Western Christianity, I wasn't making an enemy out of them, but I was calling them out 
again, non-apologetically, I was calling out a form of partnership that marginalizes, disrespects, and victimizes us. Not everyone does it, but some of them do it. Are we following? And my point is, if we are constantly kept in a place of perpetual dependence on them in a way that they fund us in an aid-like manner, right? If we continue to do that, then our voices will not be respected. Our contribution will not be respected. However, if we are made to stand on our own feet, when we gather to the table of global Christianity, just as our Western brothers are going to be able to say a lot of good things that we need to learn from, when we are saying our own things, they will actually be able to learn from us. Are you following? In other words, if African Christianity is not lifted up, it is a problem for global Christianity. And that is the kind of partnership we want. We don't want sympathy. We need help, yes, but we don't want sympathy. Like, ah, just keep taking. Because if we keep taking in an aid-like fashion, we'll keep coming back and we'll not be respected. Are we following what I'm saying? Because this is really important. Because I want to say this. It's not all partnerships that are like that. Let me give you an example. Just this church alone. We have a number of partners that we pray for, don't we? And those partners are amazing partners. And they're not just amazing because they have helped us financially. They're amazing because the kind of mindset through which they are helping us is one that is trying to lift us up, not one that is keeping us perpetually dependent on them. In fact, there are agreements that we have, literally, that we are trying to help you to get to a place where you are financially self-sustainable so that you yourselves can do for other churches in Nigeria what we did for you. Do you see that kind of investment? It's an investment that is trying to say, we want you to be sustainable because we know that you have things to offer. So, in other words, they are coming from a place of respect. Now, let me tell you one assumption that they are making, a huge assumption. The assumption is this. If we invest in City Church, City Church is going to become self-sustainable. And City Church is, how, how is City Church going to be self-sustainable? Because of the members of City Church are going to fund City Church. Amen. Now, the only way the members of City Church are going to fund City Church is if the members of City Church themselves are being lifted higher and higher. There is a need for the members of City Church to learn the principles of wealth creation if City Church is going to be self-sustainable and City Church is going to be part of the people that bring Afro-capitalism to fund the Afro-gospel. Is, is this clear? And so wealth creation is absolutely important if we are to embrace the place of stewardship that God has called us to. And it's wealth creation we are talking about today. Amen? Amen. Now, it's at this point, some people are like, hey, now, wow. Eh? I invited my friend to church pastor today, and it's wealth creation, we'll talk about it. This is the kind of thing we are running away from. Let me quickly tell you why we should be talking about wealth creation in church. First of all, can you give me Ephesians 4 verse 28? This is what he says. Anyone who has been stealing, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. To who? Church. church in Ephesus. He's not talking to an office. He's not talking to a corporation in Ephesus. He's not talking to a multinational. Who is he writing to? The church. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. What is Paul saying here? The church should be in the business of transforming takers into givers. And he's not talking about something spiritual here, is he? 
He said, the one who used to take out of good before must now be transformed into someone who now gives. How does that happen if that guy doesn't start creating wealth? And he's talking to the church. You see, Paul understands something that is deeply human in us that God had already said in Genesis 1 verse 28. When God created humanity, he said, he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Fill the earth and do what? Subdue it. In other words, God is saying, I have given you this earth, right? And I've given you things in this earth, but I want you to make more of what I have given you. I want you to take cocoa and turn it into chocolate. I want you to take milk and turn it into butter. I want you to take yam and turn it into amalad. Are you understanding? What's happening? I don't know what's happening with this. What, what, are, what, what, what are into wine? Yeah, yeah, but that one needs something else apart from... Uh, do you understand? Eh? What are into grapefruits? Yeah, yes. Yeah, no, grapefruit. Eh, both of them are miracle they do. In other words, when you do that, you add value. But when you add value, you can sell the value. When you sell the value, you are able to create wealth. It is deeply human in us to make more of what we have been given. Amen. And so why we are talking about wealth creation, I'll tell you it's because it is deeply human, but I'll tell you also it's because it is part of our stewardship and God wants to raise gospel patrons that will fund the mission of the gospel. And I pray that God will make us that kind of person. I pray that at the end of the sermon that we will have been transformed in our thinking, we will have been transformed in our practices, and also God will pour out a blessing upon us that will enable us to be wealth creators in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, the whole context, again, is the mission of God. But today, we want to talk about not just how we steward the mission, but we want to talk about how God makes us the stewards. Amen. And so it's good to have to do everything. It's good to have to do with our income. The making of a steward, uh, we'll look at it under these three headings. Transforming your income, growing your income, and fulfilling your income. Just before we start, I want you to, let's pray. I want you to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Francis has prayed for me, and you guys prayed for me, and I appreciate that. But I want you to pray for yourself. Because I don't know why God has brought somebody here today. Maybe it's not everybody. And I don't care how much you think you have in your bank account. None of us here is as rich as Solomon. Pray that God will take you to yet another level. Pray that what you hear, that God will enable you to create even more godly wealth from where you are. There are some of us that are here, it's not just moving to another level, it is that you are in a deep mess. Pray that God will lift you out of that mess by speaking his word to you. But I pray for, I ask you that every prayer that is being uttered to you now, they will not fall on deaf ears in heaven. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that this will come as an incense unto you, O God, from your people, and that as it ascends, O God, you will pour out your blessing to answer these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's start with our first point, transforming your income. So open to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 to 18. This is a very important scripture for us to understand that we are not talking about just any kind of wealth. We are talking about godly wealth. There is a worldly wealth and there is godly wealth. Here is the difference. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of, uh, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. That is worldly wealth. 
Godly wealth, you know, the Bible says that you can't serve God and money. There is the kind of wealth that is produced by another kind of God. That's not what we're talking about here. Verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms the covenant. Notice what it doesn't say. It does not say that God is the one that gives you wealth. It says that God gives you the ability for wealth to be produced. In other words, we have to be able to receive the ability and receive the instruction in the way we are meant to use that ability. Are you following what I'm saying? But it starts with remembering that it is God. He is our source. He gives us an ultimate goal for why we are creating wealth, but he reminds us that he is the ultimate source of the ability to produce wealth. Now, in the passage that Tedo read for us, Joseph was given that ability. And the things that Joseph said and the things that Joseph did will enable us to understand how to create godly wealth. But for us to do that, before we do that, we need to be deliberate in being financially literate. Now, some of us actually have the ability to be literate, but we've just not been deliberate about being financially literate. We just feel like I know everything. I don't have to go to, you know, all these people that go to this wealth-creating schools, all these people that carry business books, you don't want to be that kind of person. And then you're impoverishing yourself, not just in intellect, you're also in your bank account. Today, we are going to break that hold. Amen. So we have just a few things, some financial literacy things. But it reminds me of someone. How many of you have heard of the name Shaquille O'Neal? Shaquille O'Neal. Even if you don't watch basketball, you should have heard about that guy. That guy is one of the greatest basketballers that has ever played the game, right? He was an absolute phenomenon. He used to dunk, when he dunked the, well, the ball one time, and then the, the, the rim came down. He has dunked the ball, and then the glass of the rim shook. He was a dominant force. Now, Shaquille, you know, if I'm not mistaken, was the first person to sign a contract over $100 million. I think he was the first person to sign a contract over when he moved from Orlando Magic to Lakers. So, as anybody that has made that kind of money, the guy was flexing. He used to spend it. But what is it that you, he can just see you just crying. Why are you crying? What, what is this? Take, just take $3,000. Just wipe your tears. You understand? He's the kind of person that once he just got married and he called his wife, said, you know what? I want you to transform in life. Just to transform in life. So for starters, just for starters, I've opened an account for you. I'm just putting $1 million. Just go and transform yourself in life. How many of you want that kind of blessing? I want it. I want it. Forget all this God and mammon thing. We'll deal with the mammon after. So the guy was flexing until he met one white man one day and they were talking, they were talking. You know what the white man told him? He said, Shaq, you know the difference between you and I? He said, you, you are rich. I am wealthy. And he he didn't understand. Exactly, he choked. (laughs) What what does that mean? See, what is the difference between being rich and wealthy? The difference between rich and wealthy is tied to understanding the distinction between income and wealth. It's tied to understanding the difference between income and what? Wealth. So I want to define a couple of terms. Income, expenses, and wealth. Income. What is income? Your income is your earnings after tax. Simple. It's your earnings after tax. After what? After what? If you are not paying your tax, oh, linear, you are, you are a thief. Pay your tax. God does not honor it. Pay your what? Tax. 
All right, so it's your earnings after your tax. Whether it is your salary, whether it is that you threw uh, money from your bonds, whether it is money from uh, the, your, your, your tenants, all of that income after what? Tax. That's your, uh, all of that earnings after tax. That's an income, all right? What are expenses? Expenses are your costs plus your debts. Cost plus your debts. What are your costs? Food, transport, uh, uh, eh? uh, shelter, rent, things like that. Ashwee B, uh, you know, all the different things. No, 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 no. That's right, that's why. No, no, no. Let, let's start again. Let's start. Let's, no. Now, so it's your cost plus your debt. So those are kind. Those are costs. But what are debts? Loans that you're taking. Maybe you're taking a mortgage. All these things that you're paying back. If maybe we don't really have that here, but maybe if you're abroad, you had student loan. All of those kinds of things. So your costs plus your debts are your expenses. Is this clear so far? So what's your wealth? Ah. Here's it, and follow closely. When you deduct your, co- your, your expenses from your income, what is left and what is invested into is your wealth. What is left in terms of cash, we call that savings. When you take some money, you put it, and you just say, okay, I keep this one cash. And if you take some other money and you put it into some kind of, you invest into some kind of thing. So uh, maybe it's property, uh, maybe it's land, maybe it is jewelry, maybe it is art. All of those things, you now have assets, right? The assets, which are your investment, and your savings, that is your wealth. Are you following? So what you have left in your savings, and when you have invested in something else, savings plus investment equals what? Wealth. Shaquille O'Neal was not, was not wealthy, he was rich. You know why? He was rich in his income, but he was poor in his wealth. If you earn $3 million every year, and you spend $2.999999 million, you know what? You are very rich. You know what it is to earn $3 million? Your earning power is high, but you are not wealthy. And many times, that kind of trajectory is ultimately leading to poverty. You know why? Because you have made the assumption that you will always be able to earn $3 million. It's not possible. At some point, people will not be calling you again. There's a, there are new blood. There's new blood in town. Those people, after a bedroom, there's nowhere to go again. Are you following what I'm saying? Pharaoh's ha- uh, harvest was Pharaoh's income. That was his income. So in, 34, in verse 34 of chapter 41, Joseph said something. He said, let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt. You see, Joseph had interpreted a dream for Pharaoh that there were going to be seven years of abundant harvest that will now be followed by seven years of what? Famine. So when Pharaoh now, uh, when Joseph met Pharaoh, he says, this is what you should do. Appoint commissioners that will help you take 
a fifth of the harvest. That's 20%. Why did he say that? Because Joseph understood that the way we create, the way we create wealth is based on how we use our income. Let me try and explain this way. Most people will say something like this. The Jews, you know, the Jews have a lot of money. I mean, today, I'm talking about Jews today. They have a lot of money and that they are controlling the world economy. How many of us believe that? That Jews are, have a lot of money and good. We don't have any anti oh, We have some anti-Semites in this church. Is, that is anti-Semitic. Eh? It's anti-Semitic. We have to be careful with that. Now, in many places, it is true. Why I say it's anti-Semitic is because that, uh, that part I added about they are controlling the world economy, many times that has led to Jewish hatred and has led to Jewish persecution. Hitler used that thing very well, so we have to be careful with that. But nonetheless, now Jews are, yes, they are poor Jews around. They, they have the same problems that we have. But it is true, though, if you go to certain parts of the world, a lot of parts of the world where you find Jewish concentrations, they are doing very well, though. Go to New York, right? You see how many gold birds and how many whatever are in the top brass of the investment firms. Why is it that on the average, when you take uh, the, the income level of, or wealth level of demographics of, of uh, maybe ethnic people, you always find Jews always towards the top. Why? Do you know why? There are a number of factors, but let me tell you one factor. Jewish people don't play, when it comes to money, the education of money, they teach their children right from time. Can I quickly just say to us parents here, right? Please, it is not at 22 years old you start talking to your child about money. Talk to your children about money very, very early. I let my children know very well, you see, when you are going to this school, you have to work well. Because the money that mommy and daddy are paying is a lot, oh. So if you ask my son, what are you, what are you thankful for? He said, God, I'm thankful that you gave my mommy and daddy money to pay for my school. It's really important. You, you understand? Talk to your children about money. So Jewish people talk to their children about money. And here's one way they educate them. They give them 10 shekels. Early on, they give them 10 shekels, and then they get five jars. And they name those jars according to a system. Because it's important if we are going to be people that create wealth to be systematized in how we use our money. They create a system. Do you know what, what that system is called? You know what that system is called? I've, I've coined the name for it. It's called TOSIS. So, yeah, they missed one letter. It should have been N instead of S at the end. That would have been perfect. I, found, I was looking for a way to make it N. But let's take it as TOSIS. T-O-S-I-S. They label those jars. So the first jar, T, tithes. Second jar, O, offering and giving. Third jar, S, savings. Fourth jar, I, investment. Fifth jar, S, what? Spending. They tell them, they give them 10 shekels. Now, put one shekel inside the T jar. Put one shekel inside the O jar. Put another shekel inside the S jar. Put two shekels inside the I jar, and then put five shekels inside the S jar. 10, 10, 10%, 20%, 50%. Now, notice what has happened there. They have systematized something, and it's based on two things you mustn't miss out. There is proportioning, and then there is ordering. Proportioning, there is a fixed system. 10%, 10%, 10%, did you see it? 
20% and 50%. How do I know how much I spend? It's not, they don't say, it depends on the number of actual bees that I have to buy this month. Many times we just spend with the flow. We don't apportion what should go to what. They don't do that. They have already apportioned it. There is a system that is there. Your spending should not be defined by the number of friendly hangouts that you are invited to. It should have been predefined before you go out. Are you following me? The second one is that notice that there is an ordering. The ordering is not, by the, it is not, just, it's not an arbitrary ordering. The T comes first. The O comes second. The S, what, notice which one was the last. Which one was the last? Spending. But for most of us, spending is number one. Spending what? Number one. If you are the kind of person that your income comes in, your income comes in first, and then you now say, hey, what's ready happening? I'll see you there. You're blowing there. You're doing that. And I know some of you are there. Let me tell you, let me just tell you, according to the Bible, with all due respect, you're a fool. I, I, with all due respect, and it was the Bible. Let me prove to you. Open to Proverbs 21, verse 20 and 17. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools do what? They gulp theirs down. Everything. 17. Whoever loves pleasure. Hey! Wait, 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 wait. That show has come out. Hey, okay, I'm just waiting for my income. You have already bought the shoe in your mind. Your income hasn't come. He says, whoever loves pleasure will become what? Poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. <laughs> if you don't systematize the way you use your income, let me tell you, forget it. There's no amount of prayer. There's no, see, see, even my anointing will not make you rich. And my anointing, eh? Is, is, you, you understand? You guys know. Some of them know, all you people that are sitting here, I know, I know where you were when we started. Don't think it's just your hard work. Systematize your income. Now, we are not going to be talking about T and O today. Some people say, amen, hallelujah. It's coming. But rest assured this, if you don't have T and O, let me tell you, you will generate wealth with C's, but it is not godly wealth. You will generate wealth with S-I-S, but it's not godly wealth. So we'll talk about that. Not today. But Joseph is going to teach us some lessons. And we'll, well, let's talk about SIS just briefly. Let's start. Savings. Verse 49 of chapter 41. He, a, he said, Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. He stored so much. It was beyond what? Measure. Why do you save? Do you know why he saved? Look at verse 35. It says, They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming up, that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of to be kept in the city of food. The food should be held in reserve. Why? For the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that, and this is the reason, so that the country may not be ruined by famine. The reason why you save is for emergencies. Now, notice the savings must come first before the spending. The reason why you save is for emergencies. Joseph saved 20%. You must state why you want to save. You see, there are some people there. Eh? 
They enter into dire straits. Like the people that are here, we go to verse, uh, verse 13 of chapter 47. There was no food, uh, uh, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. It is true. The famine was severe. They said Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. It is true that the famine was severe, but it was also because they were gulping their olive oil totally. There are some people, the moment you, you are unemployed for this month, Next month is, you, you can't fix your car, you can't do anything. Or even some of us that have income, we spent everything, so now it's time to change, uh, change your shock absorber. You are just praying to God that the thing doesn't come. You enter the people's car like this, the noise alone will give you like, you don't need malaria for the headache that the noise will give you. Oh God, what haven't you? And yet you will see them when Louis Vuitton. For some of you, four months ago, we could find you in the club with a bottle full of bulb. Today, you are on the street with barely nothing to eat. Because we didn't save for what? Emergencies. Be like insurance companies. The insurance companies are built on one fundamental truth. Accidents will happen. It's not bad. It's not prophecy. God has already told you there is a fall. It's, it's the, the whole world. Jagger, pika, jagger, jagger. Poor man, the soul. You understand? You can plan for emergencies. That is the first reason we save. Take a portion of your income and dedicate it to savings. Amen. The second thing is investment. <laughs> I love this one. Because the famine eventually came. Right? We see that in verse 53 to 54, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came and seven years of famine began, just as Joseph has said. And the famine was in other lands. It wasn't just in Egypt. But in the whole land of Egypt, there was no food. The famine now eventually came. And when the famine came, that was when Joseph's time came. Joseph was about to make Pharaoh... You see, Pharaoh was rich. But he was about to make Pharaoh... I talked about being stupidly rich. He was about to make him what? Stupidly rich. Joseph was, he is the first asset manager recorded in history. He said, uh, Joseph, Abby? Dickin Joseph. Dickin Joseph. <laughs> I'll see you later. The, the tithes and offerings are coming today. I will help you. You help us. But it's true. He said, all right, Pharaoh. So now, the first thing he did, because we're going to give him a diversified portfolio, first thing he did was he entered into retail and sales. It says he, he took, opened the grain, he collected all the money that was in, in, in Egypt because people had to come and buy. So he opened a retail store. Do you understand? Pharaoh uh, 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 Wright or something like that. Joseph Wright, I don't know. So he now collected all the money, sales, uh, retail, and what? Sales. The next thing, the people after they given all their money, they still didn't have food. They came back to meet him. So the next thing was like, okay, let's diversify this portfolio because we don't know what can happen. So he now started entering into acquisitions. The first acquisition he made, he entered into poultry business. He bought all their donkeys, all their cows, all of everything. After, they were very happy. Eventually, they still didn't have anything. Let's, 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 further, let's further diversify it. He now went into what? Land. Real estate. Am I making this thing up? <laughs> he entered into real estate, land. He said in verse 17, have you, have you seen it? Verse 17, he says, so they, uh, no, 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 not verse 17. The, verse 20. 
So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. Now, it, it was all the land, but not totally all the land. I need to make this clear, verse 22. He, he didn't buy the land of the church. That we have to make clear, right? However, he did not buy the land of the priest because, and in fact, in the famine, the priest, he gave them regular what? Allotments. So whoever wants to catch it, just catch that one. <laughs> All right. So, so, so that it will be well with him. It's true. So that it's well with him. I'm not saying anything. So after that one, after he bought the land, so he has done retail and sales. Then next he did what? Poultry, right? Then next he did what? Land, uh, real estate. Then he now got, he now entered into industrial farming. Capitalism, right? Yeah, that's where it started. He entered into industrial farming. The land that he bought from the people, he now said, okay, now go and work the land. But what I like about Joseph is that he ensured that they would produce. You know why? Because he gave them a good benefit package. He gave them a good salary, and he said the salary is not just for you, it will benefit your children as well. Pharaoh was rich before, but now he became what? Stupidly what? He was wealthy. I want you to notice something he did. Even though he was acquiring assets, and this one, some of us need to wake up. The fact that you have acquired, uh, let's not be like uh, one period generation. The fact that you have acquired assets doesn't mean that you just go there and just, ah, see my fine asset. <laughs> or you just have savings, you've been saving a lot of money. Let the money work for you. Let the savings work for you. Notice he didn't just leave the land there. He allowed the land to bring in income for him. So you have some money. Why do you keep keeping the money in a bank that is not giving you any interest? Put it in, I won't say the name, but put it in somewhere that is giving you fixed deposit, maybe 10%. Let the money work for you for something. You have land, you are not using the land. Okay, maybe some people want to rent the land for a particular thing. Give it to them. He was using the assets that he had to now generate another stream of income for him. Amen. You have a blog. Many people are coming there. Ask for advertisements. Don't just uh, take real estate. Use the real estate to enable you to get an income. Nannies in our house. Nannies in the house. I want to talk to you. Because you may be saying all these things that, all, this, all these people that have money, they're just talking. I want to talk to you. Because I love you, nannies, though. Eh? God is going to increase you people. Amen. There was a nanny that stayed with us for a number of years. Right? A nanny, and that number of years, it matters because actually some people have said that our house is a revolving door for nannies, but that's another story. <laughs> now, this nanny stayed with us for years. It was later, at one point, she told us, we well, just wondering, what do you do with your money and everything? And she just told us, ah, this nanny, with the money we were giving her, because she doesn't have to, you know, um, uh, spend on anything. And I advise some of us, don't just pay your nanny salaries. Give them, give them things. Let them you know, take care of other things for them. So I take care of all of these things. So she had a lot of disposable income. You know what she did? She bought two bikes when it was allowed. In fact, I think she actually even has sense because I explained. She bought two bikes. Then she got two guys and she entered into an arrangement with them. Like, I want you to bless you people. So you see this bike, take it as your own. But I want you to give me this amount of money every month for two years. If you give me this amount of money every month for two years, eventually you can take the bike. I don't even want to even see you again. 
By the time they did this, and she wasn't the one repairing it, she wasn't the one doing anything, she was just collecting her own money, jejeli. By the time, I think it was like maybe 30,000 or something. By the time she had finished, they had finished the two years, you know what happened? She had recouped the entire money she used to buy the uh, two things, and then she had made about 40 to 50% on top. And then she now used that money to invest in going to a top skill school. She had created wealth and now used the wealth to generate more income and now she's you know, ascending in her future. Am I talking to somebody? We have to be able to be smarter in the way we use what God has given to us. In Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, it tells us that God is the one who gives seed to the sower and what? Bread to the eater. So, if he gives seed to the sower and he gives bread to the eater, what are we meant to do with the seed? Plant the seed or sow it. What are we meant to do with the bread? Eat the bread. Part of the problem when you're a prisoner to the present is after you eat your bread, you now eat your seed also. And when you do that, you are cannibalizing your future. May God deliver us from that kind of patience. It will always lead to poverty. And so we have to learn there is a place for the bread, yes, but there is a place for planting your seed. You plant your seed first before you start eating the bread. How can you know what to do in terms of investment? Show up on Saturday. We have a financial seminar. When that thing comes up, when the, when the QR code comes up, scan and actually put it here. Because I'm telling you this. Look, lose your pride. God has placed certain people in this church who have had success in this thing. And we're investing in that, trying to call, bring them on Saturday to teach you about these things. Amen. Woo! Saturday, no jokes. Now, third one, so that's S-I, then there is what? Spending, right? There is what? Spending. There are some people, they are too focused on the future, they neglect the present. They neglect the present, so they don't even want to spend anything at all. They neglect what? The present, they neglect the present so much they can't buy presents for anybody. <laughs> it is, listen, you are meant to plant your seed and you are meant to what? Eat your bread. If you eat your seed and eat your bread, it will lead to poverty. But if you plant your seed and then plant your bread, it will lead to misery because you are miserly. If you have fulfilled T-O-S-I, then try to enjoy yourself. Listen, the Bible says that we should not hope in, in godless wealth. We should hope in God. But if we hope in that God, 1 Timothy 6 verse 17, he said that God has given us everything richly to what? Enjoy. So please, after you have done T-O-S-I, you need to go. If somebody says, how can you be spending that amount of money on nails when people are dying? How can you be buying a jeep wagon when, people, when souls are lost? Tell them, according to the word of God, and my pastor, he said that I can flex in the name of the Lord. <laughs> because let me tell you, if you don't eat your bread, you will not even be able to plant your seed well. Some of you here, I know you are investing in your future. Do it. Do it very well. But Nigeria is hot. Go and buy AC. <laughs> buy AC in your room so that you can think better. Because if you are under too much heat, you will not be thinking well and you will not produce more wealth. Do you understand? You will not see the opportunities. 
Opportunities will be around you, but the heat that is burning you. Are you following me? There is a place for spending. There is a place for spending. God has given you money. You have invested, you have invested, you have invested. Buy, just, buy some nice. Don't keep wearing black and white. Black and white. The same one. Spend. Spend in the name of the Lord. So, this takes me to my second point. Because somebody is going to say something like this. Ah, it's true. Okay, that's creating wealth and all of that. But the problem I have here is my income. If the income is the one they use to create wealth, the problem I have is my income. Some of you say, I don't even have any income. Or some of you say, my income is too small. And you may be correct. And so we have to find ways of gaining, but more importantly, of increasing our income. And Joseph shows us that we can do this by two things. Two things. One, who is around you? Second, what is inside you? Touch your neighbor and say, who is around you? And then touch the other neighbor and say, what is inside you? Let's, talk, let's take the first one. Now, a huge mistake. Now, who is around you? A huge mistake a lot of people make. A huge mistake a lot of people make is thinking only when we talk about money, they only think about financial capital. And there are other kinds of capital. You have intellectual capital, you have spiritual capital, all of them are important. But in this case, I want to talk to you about another kind of capital that is absolutely important if you want to raise financial capital. In fact, it's more fundamental because if you have a lot of it, it will eventually lead to financial capital. You know what it's called? It's called social capital. Social what? Capital. Now, by social capital, what do I mean? Why is it very valuable? Listen, Barack Obama is not a billionaire. He is not a billionaire. But Barack Obama's contact list on his phone book is more valuable than a lot of billionaires' bank accounts. Are you following me? The people he knows already. Maybe, let me even give you a Nigerian one. Let me give you a Nigerian one. I don't care what you think about this thing. If Pastor E.A. Adeboye says today, he comes to Redeem Camp and just says... I just feel like I need a Rolls Royce. Guaranteed by the next day. Guaranteed by the next day. Five will show up. And the reason why they show, the five show up is because people have gone to their garage to bring it. By the end of the month, another 30 will show up because of shipping. Do you understand? Social capital. And many of us have tried to only look at the financial capital. You are not looking at the social capital. God is going to deliver you today. There are four relationships that have adopted and adapted this by some other preacher, but there are four relationships that are important to you. I call the PCIA. Say PCIA. PCIA. Protectors, connectors, investors, accelerators. Protectors, connect, protectors, connectors, investors, what? Accelerators. Never joke with any of those four. Let's start. Protectors. Before Joseph ascended to where we are, where we saw today, that Joseph is now the prime minister in Egypt. Before he ascended there, if you go back to Joseph's life, because he was a spoiled brat, he had 10 brothers, he used to boast in front of them because the father loved him, he used to say a lot of nonsense, they were jealous of him. So at one point, nine of them wanted to kill him. And as they were about to kill him, one of them spoke up for him, the oldest one was Reuben. Reuben ensured that Joseph's life was not cut short before, all of the, before he fulfilled his destiny. Are you following me? Reuben protected Joseph. Listen. Protectors are not necessarily people that will lift you up, but they stop you from going down. For a lot of us, 
right? For who still have parents? It is our parents. You have other things, but it's our parents. Listen, and you see me like this. I'm okay. I'm okay. God has been good to me. Do you understand? And let me tell you why. It is not like I don't have inside of me the ability to fall. You've heard of pastors that are falling here and there. All of us, look, there is a, the line between good and evil runs in the heart of every man. But let me tell you one reason why I have not fallen by God's grace. I have prayers that pray for me every day. Every day. There's some people that hold you. There's somebody that told me here that in church, uh, somebody in church, right? He said his mother calls him every single morning to pray for him. Some of us will be like, oh, mommy and daddy has called again. Look, look, are you, they've called again. They keep saying the same prayers. They are protecting you. Receive those blessings. Are you following? Because they are, without those people in your life, right? Without those people in your life, your life will have gone down and so would your income. For some of us, it's your spiritual leaders. For some of you, it is your covenant friends. They are protecting you. May the Lord send you protectors. Don't play with them. Your life will be worse off without them. Second one is connectors. Before Joseph met Pharaoh, what had happened a few years before, he was in prison and there was a baker that was in that prison, Pharaoh's baker for whatever reason. He had a dream and Joseph interpreted that dream for him and told him that he would be restored back to his position. He was restored back to that position, but for two years he forgot about Joseph until Pharaoh had a dream. And when Pharaoh now had that dream, he now remembered Joseph and he now took Joseph to what? Pharaoh. Connectors, listen very closely, connectors are not necessarily people that will lift you up themselves, but they connect you to the people that can lift you up. And we need connectors in our lives. The woman at the well went and told her people, he said, come and see a man who told me everything about myself. Could he be the Messiah? Eventually, the people went to her, uh, to Jesus, and they now said, we have seen, not just because of what she told us, we have seen that truly this is the savior world of the world. The one that was going to lift them up was Jesus, but without the woman, they would not have met Jesus. Am I following, are you talk, am I talking to somebody here? A city that is after Lagos, my second home is the city of Manchester in the United Kingdom. The city of Manchester is absolutely crucial to my life because I will not be where I am today without the many things that God did for me in that city. It's in that city some of you know I got my master's in that city, I got my PhD. My first five years of marriage where I lived in that city, I had my first child there. In that city, I met Francis. And as many of you have said it many times, how pivotal Francis and Nkechi have been in my life. In fact, when we had our, we were going to have our second child and we we're having so many complications, we we're living very far, Francis and Nkechi said, come and stay in the house so that we could go to the place. When the bills were rising high, they just said, we don't want you to worry about the bills. We'll take it. They were our protectors. Francis, uh, uh, Francis was my best man. Francis is the godfather of my first child. I met him in Manchester. It was in Manchester that, it's not that I wasn't theologically sound, but I became theologically sounder <laughs> in Manchester. It was in Manchester that I realized that 
God's destiny for my life was to come and plant a church. I'm so connected to that city that this year I received an invitation to come and preach at an inaugural conference, right, about people that want to do gospel center movement. That, that one is ironic in itself. It's poetic. The moment they asked me to come and speak in that conference, I did not wait to say yes. A few days before, I'd already refused um, uh, another invitation because I said I didn't have time. Someone in Manchester said, come. I said I will be there. When? That's how much how valuable this, the church is, the, the, uh, the, the city is too. Why did I get there? When I was in uni, there was a guy called Lai in my class. Lai and I weren't, um, weren't um, friends uh, per se. We didn't really, hey, what's up, what's up? Until he came to our IT time. I was working, I was working at um, uh, one telecoms provider and they posted me so I basically spent all my IT in SPDC, Shell, Freeman House. Lai was an IT staff in Shell. And so that's where we now became good friends. We used to read together. We started doing certifications together. You know, and we kept in touch. And when we went back to school, we kept in touch. We just stayed in touch. We still had our own friends. That happened. And after we finished, we both served. Then after Lai immediately went and did his own masters. I didn't know where. I went, I was working for a startup for a few years, and then, one day I now wanted to go for my own master's, and I was thinking about a number of schools. And I went to Unilag to go and get my transcript, right? I met people that have been trying to get it for eight months, I used two weeks. Don't ask me how, it's the favor of the Lord. <laughs> the hand of God and the leg of man. But anyway, <laughs> at the end of it, I was just finishing, I just saw Lai, Lai came to school for something. Hey Lai, what's up? Where have you been? Ah, I went to do my master's, I've come back. Are you serious? How was it? It was great, blah, blah. I said, man, I'm also trying to think about where I'm going to do my master's. I'm thinking of this school. I'm thinking of this school. And Lai spoke to me, and I remember, I can remember, I, it, this is the one thing I remember what he said. And I say, I remember it because it sounded like the voice of the Lord. He said, Femi, I'm just coming from the University of Manchester. Go to Manchester. Now, if you understand anything about my history, I hate Manchester because I hated Manchester United, and I still hate them. He said, go to Manchester. I'm like, eh. And it was almost like the thing I just went and applied and the first school that gave me admission was Manchester. Now, here's what you have to understand about connectors. Sometimes connectors think they are connecting you to something, but actually they are connecting you to something greater that God has already proposed for your destiny. Lai thought he was just connecting me to a place to go and do my master's. He did not know I was connecting me to a place to meet Critical friends, a place that was going to do my PhD, a place that was eventually going to change the course of my destiny. The baker thought he was just connecting Joseph to Pharaoh to interpret a dream. He did not know that he was connecting Joseph to becoming the prime minister of, 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 of Egypt. Let me tell you something. Occasionally, I say in this church, I say at the end of this, at the end of the service, I say talk to somebody that you have not spoken to before. You don't know whether the person sitting next to you today is somebody that is about to connect you to your destiny. In fact, let me even say this. Before the end of this month, God is going to bring a divine connector to your life in the name of Jesus. They think, they think they're just connecting you to one small thing. But it is the connection that you need that is going to bring an increase in your life. Don't waste the value of those that you are connected to. Build up your social capital. Amen. Now the third one is the investors. Pharaoh didn't read this part, but it's there. You see, when Joseph was brought to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh 
saw her and said, man, yeah, I'm going to take this guy. He didn't just say, I'm going to take this guy. Pharaoh said, ah, why? Please, let me clean you up. Oh. I cleaned him up, gave him a signet ring, you know, gave him position, authority. And I said, but it's not only just authority you need. He gave him money, gave him money. He said, this guy, look at you. Fine looking guy, handsome guy. Where is the most beautiful woman in this place? Ah, the priest, high priest's daughter, Potiphera. He gave him not just money, he gave him marriage. He made uh, Joseph stabilize because you need to be stable. He stabilized him so that he could do what he was meant to do. Amen. In other words, what are investors? Investors are the people that lift you up that by giving to you financially or giving to you intellectually or giving to you attitudinally or giving to you spiritually. Are you following me? They pour into you to lift you up to a place that you can do what you are supposed to do. You can have a business idea, fantastic. Your idea may have even been translated into a business plan. It is good, but at the end of the day, you have to buy Mac computers. It is not by business plan that you buy Mac computers. You need to rent an office. You need to buy an oven. Eventually, we still need people that will invest in us. Amen. So you must be connected. You must be well prepared. But the other thing you must not mistake is that investors are not only people that give you money. Do you notice what I said? There are people that give you advice. There are people that give you teachings. By God's grace, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I've achieved anything, but at least I have something. I'm a product of people that have invested in me. Part of how I didn't even know I was going to start a church and all of those things. I told you I worked in a, 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 an engineering firm. Later, I worked in a startup. It was in a startup that my boss one day called me and said, come in here. I want to teach you about costing. That's when I started learning about spreadsheets. By the time I went and did my PhD, I learned about project management. Are you following? I, I, I worked in civil service as well. All of these things. I didn't understand how those things were preparing me for where I was going to be. But in all those things, there were people that invested in me. Amen. And now some of us here, there are people that are investing in us, but we don't even know. Or there are people that could invest in us, and we are trivializing them. When you meet an investor, do you know the one thing? Because you cannot pay the investor back. Do you know the one currency that opens the door for you? Do you know what it's called? It's called honor. I need to speak to somebody today. Honor. And I'm saying this because, and I hope I'm not going to, no, actually, I hope I offend somebody. This, one of the things that our generation, and by my, our generation I'm talking about from 23, 24, all the way to 45, this is one thing we are not doing well in. We dishonor people. And what do I mean by dishonor? I'm not just talking about respect. I'm not even just talking about valuing. That's another level. To honor somebody is to one, first, you need to recognize what that person has. That's not enough. You need to embrace what that person has. That is, you recognize this person has this and you embrace that this person can do this in my life and then you need to celebrate it. I've met with people before and I know, I said, this person values those me, but they're not honoring me. They, they think I have something, but they don't really recognize what it is I have. I'm not trying to boast. All of you have something. Me too, I have something. If you... 
If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will get a prophet's reward. Do you know what that means? It means it is possible to receive a prophet, but not in the name of a prophet. It is possible to receive somebody, but not in that person's full capacity. If you receive a prophet just as a, another person of God, he will feel it. And in other words, what he's saying is that when he says you will get a prophet's reward, it is the honor that opens that reward to come out. There is a place that you put people in. There is a dishonor you bring people that they can pray for you or they can do this, but they will not bring out everything that is in them. Listen, you say that, oh, I want to meet this person. He always says he's busy. He's always busy. You can honor yourself into somebody's schedule. I'm not making them say, yes, I've told some of you I'm busy. There are some of you that have called me and pick your phone, your number immediately. It's true. Because of honor. I'm telling you that people here also, there are ways you celebrate. Them. Somebody was telling me this. He works for a large bank, a large bank. And the founder of this bank, right, is rough around the edges. And when he got employed in this bank, there were other executives. He was also... Um, uh, employed at the senior management level. I hope I'm not boring. Uh, if you don't have choice, I'm going to finish this. <laughs> he was employed at the senior management level. So occasionally they'll have their senior meetings, the top, highest level. He met people that were there. And occasionally when they have these meetings, that man, the founder, chairman, CEO, he will be saying certain things, things, he'll teach things here and there, and the people will be like, and the guy is like, me, me, this man is dropping wisdom. Well, this man is dropping wisdom. Now, let's say this person that is telling me, let's say his name is um, uh, Tope. He'll be dropping his So maybe like at meeting five or six, towards the end of the meeting, he now, he now said, Tope now said, ah, sir, you know, this thing, I think it can be solved because of that thing that you told us that day and that other thing. I actually think that thing was really insightful. He broke down a number of things that that man has said that that man used to throw and just thought the birds of the air are catching. He broke it down. The man looked at him. The man looked at him. The man looked at him. He said, Talk I will support you. He didn't ask for any support. Are, are you following? He wasn't asking him for any support. He said, Talk I will support you. Because the man has said, this guy is not just that he's collecting salary. He understands that there's something in it. So he's saying, no matter the work that you want to work in this place, you know that you will always have my backing. Guys, if you see people of value that are meant to be investors in your life, honor your way to get the reward that God has put in them. Amen. Now, the last one is accelerators. Mm. Accelerators. Now, remember I said, Pharaoh was already rich. He had people that were helping him invest. He had employers. But once Joseph began investing for Pharaoh, Pharaoh's wealth, what happened to it? It multiplied, and it multiplied within a very short space of what? Time. Did you follow me? Multiply, but multiply within a very short space of time. Accelerators are people that enable your lifting to go higher and quicker. They are people that enable your lifting to go higher and quicker. It is true, you can work hard, you can employ people and all of that, but all of us know that there is a time when you, you just see, it's like, well, I said all of us. Some of, by the grace of God, all of us will experience this. <laughs> But you just see, all of a sudden, it's like a rolling stone. You know a rolling stone, it starts gathering, gathering, but at some point, the momentum increases. And you'll be like, ever since I brought on this thing. You may have ability. Football, just uh, uh, Pep Guardiola, right? The coach of Manchester City. 
Brilliant mind. I watched him when he was in Barcelona. Brilliant mind. He was a brilliant coach. Right? He has won a lot. But go and ask him what Lionel Messi did for his own career. Lionel Messi was an accelerator. He always said, yes, I won all these trophies. He said, but I had Lionel Messi. When you have one of the greatest players ever, it's like, how would I win trophies? Are you following what I'm saying? Joseph, uh, while Pharaoh was Joseph's investor, Joseph was the accelerator for who? For Pharaoh. There are people, listen, that when you employ them, you just notice that they, they have all the competence, the leadership skills, all of these kind of things. They start to accelerate. Look, if you're an employer, if you're a team leader, you find people that accelerate us. They make you look better than you normally are. Amen. Not that you're not good, but they look, make you look better. Somebody, somebody once told me, this person is a serial investor. He said under his employee, in some of the companies that he has, he has three people that he pays more than himself. You're like, how is that possible? How is that possible? I don't know the person. You don't know the person. Maybe you are the person. He has three people that he pays more than himself. Do you know what that means? When you find an accelerator, by God's try don't allow them to go. Do everything you can. Do not allow them what? To go. Accelerators do what? They make you go higher and quicker in a short space of time. We all need accelerators. Amen. So these are your PCIs. What are they? Now somebody saying accelerator. Now I want to point it, and this is the second thing. I want to point something out to you because what is inside you? It's one thing for people to accelerate you. Are you accelerating anybody? What does it take to accelerate people? You see, when Pharaoh met Joseph, Joseph said, ah, appoint somebody that is wise to take care of this business. Appoint somebody that is wise. Look at what he says in 47 verse 30 to 31. I put it up. Do I get it? 41 verse 38 to 41. He says, can we find anyone like this man in whom the Spirit of God is? Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. I hereby put you in charge of what? In charge of where? I say one more time. In charge of where? Because it was extremely, extremely wise. How can, what was his secret to Joseph being this wise? I'll tell you what his secret is. Simply this. He was prepared. He was what? Prepared. Many of us are not yet prepared. That is the problem. Listen. And I'm going to go on motivation on you. Forgive me, but you, it will help you. There is a season. Re, listen, most of us are looking for our season of manifestation. God, take me higher. God, take me higher. I want to manifest. It's true. There is a season of manifestation. But before you have a season of manifestation, you are looking forward to when that will happen. So there is a season of visualization. We visualize where we want to be. I want to be this. I want to be this. I want to make this impact. I want to have this money. So you will have your season of visualization, but there's also a season of manifestation where what you have, what you have visualized can come into reality. But the mistake we make is that we think we can just step from the visualization toward manifestation. No, you cannot do that. There is something else in between. It is the season of preparation. You see, Joseph was given a charge of the whole land of Egypt. Yes, but you don't know the backstory on that. Joseph was once a slave in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39 verse 2. And when he was a slave in, in, in his house, because you see, most times when we think that there is a delay in manifestation, in God's own eyes, it is just a necessary preparation we're meant to have. And he gives us signs that he's working in us. You see, Joseph was in Potiphar's house under what we will call 
hard work conditions. And when he was in that house, eventually, they saw that he was so wise. What did Potiphar do? Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Eventually, he left what was a very harsh working environment and he went into something called a toxic working environment. Yes, it was toxic. It was prison. He was in prison and whilst he was in prison, even though he met some people that were there in prison, what did the warden do? The warden also said he put Joseph what, in charge of all those that were in prison. In his time of preparation, he was already taking charge in the different and difficult places that he was in. So that when the time for manifestation had fully come, all of a sudden the Pharaoh said, there is none that is wiser than this guy to take charge. He took charge in Potiphar's house. He took charge in the prison. And that was what prepared him to take charge of what? The nation. And for some of us here, we are in that place. Of preparation don't complain I'm not saying that don't voice out where there are issues but you see complaining is different from just saying there is a problem here complaining is almost basically accepting the kind of mindset that would depress you so many of us is like is it impossible to make it in Nigeria why because rather than being discipled by the Word of God you are being discipled by Twitter you see one bad news here. You move from that bad news. You click all the comments on there. People will start giving you their stories. YouTube will be drenching in that story. You move to another one. You move to another one. Before you know YouTube, you tweet your own. <laughs> and all that time that you are spending in negativity, you could have been what? Being prepared. Imagine if Joseph in Potiphar's house kept on listening to all the, uh, the slaves that said, oh, it's bad, yeah. It's bad. He said, that's why you are not taking charge. Listen, do you know why? Because there was a delay that Joseph had. Remember that the, the baker forgot, for, uh, forgot him for two years. Now, someone wants to say, hey, God, hey, delay of my manifestation, delay of my Do you know why he was delayed? Because Joseph was not ready for the nation and the nation was not ready for him. Some of us are still where we are today because you are not ready for that place that God is taking you to. But if you stay in the place, if you learn competence, if you learn leadership, if you build your social, your, your social capital, if you learn tenacity, if you have the right attitude, when the full time for your manifestation comes, all of a sudden, the prayers of your protector start being answered. And then your connector that has forgotten you before will all of a sudden call you. I made this investor that I want to introduce you to. And the investor looks at you and says, there is no wiser than you in this place. Take this amount of money that you will use to now get your accelerators and you will now be ascending in your income. Am I speaking to someone? I pray that that will be our reality. In your season of preparation, don't complain. In your season of preparation, learn what God is trying to teach you in the name of Jesus. But there's one more thing and that leads me to my final point. Because guys, all of this is not just, you may say, uh, these instructions, I've heard some of these things before. I don't, you need to come to church. And yes, it's true. You don't need to come to church to hear some of them. But there is something else that is needed, and particularly for godly wealth. Because instruction is not all that we need. We need something else. We need the blessing of God. We need the blessing of God. Have you ever wondered... Why, growing up, 
even if you are blind, if they gave you 10 samples of jollof rice, you always know your mother's own jollof rice. Have you ever wondered that even though you spent time with your mom in the kitchen, and you knew the recipe of our jollof rice from head to toe, you prepared it, it looks like it, it smells like it, but it doesn't taste like it. There's something, something. There's a missing element. It's an intangible. Your best call it Owo. It's the hand. It's like your mom, it's like she has one, the hand pours something inside. There's an added taste. Are you following? You see, it's one thing to have the instruction. It's, one, it's another thing to have the hand. It's one thing that God may have been instructing you for wealth. Yeah, that is true. But you still need God's blessing on top of it. Why do you think Joseph was, oh, somebody's going to get blessed today. We are going to pray and we are going to ask God to pour down his, way, his window of blessings. We are going to ask God to bless the works of your hand. The things that you are doing this, in this current moment, God is going to bring a supernatural blessing upon it. He says, Joseph, it is true, Joseph was wise, oh, it's true that he was doing well in the prison. But the reason why, in, in Potiphar's house, but do you know the reason why? He said, the Lord was with Joseph. In Potiphar's house, in slavery, so he prospered. It was because of the Lord being with him that he was able to take charge. But the time he got into prison, why do you think he was able to take charge? He said, but while Joseph was there in prison, what happened? Joseph had the blessing of the Lord. He was in the presence of God. God was with him. We know this in Psalm 92. It says that the righteous will flourish like the cedar of Lebanon. They will, they, they will, they will bear fruit in old age. Their leaves will not wither. Because when you are in the presence of the Lord, even that which is dead, Aaron's rod that was not connected to any root, eventually budded. Amen. Because Joseph, God was with Joseph, there was a blessing that came upon what Joseph did. God rains his blessing on us. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of Joseph, why was Joseph particularly blessed? Why was he specially blessed? He was blessed because he carried what was called the Abrahamic blessing. Joseph's great-grandfather was Abraham. And God had told Abraham that he had made a promise to him in Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3. Listen to what he said. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. This was a unique blessing that God gave only to Abraham and to the descendants of Abraham. And so when he went from Isaac, he went to Jacob, and now it was with Joseph in such a way that wherever Joseph was, if somebody recognized Joseph, he was going to be blessed by Joseph, by, by God. Amen. So there are two things you must notice. First of all, listen guys, you can increase and not be blessed. When God told Adam and Eve, he says, go and be fruitful, multiply. But before he says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, he said, and God blessed them. The blessing of God is first and foremost a signal of his approval upon you. May you never receive any kind of increase that does not have the blessing of God upon it. But the second thing about the blessing, have you noticed in verse 3? He says, I will, no, go back to verse 2. I, I will make your name great and you will be what? You will be what? The blessing of God, the Abrahamic blessing was a blessing such that when you, God blessed you, he blessed you so that you could what? Bless other people. You are going to receive a blessing today, eh? In fact, let me tell you, there are people that are not in this hall right now. There are some people that are outside this hall. They are going to be blessed. Why? Because God is going to pour out a blessing upon you and you will be in connection with them. But I want you to also see this thing and this is where sometimes some people miss it with the Abrahamic blessing. It was much more than economic. In fact, the economic was prophetically indicative of something else. He says, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In Genesis 47 verse 25, when the people came to Joseph, what did they eventually say? He said, ah, you have what? Saved our lives. He didn't just save the lives of the Egyptians. He saved the lives of all the nations that will come. You know why he saved the life of all the nations? The Abrahamic blessing was a blessing for what? All the nations. So Joseph became the economic savior of the nations. Are you following me? He was a seed or an offspring of Abraham. But Galatians 3 verse 16 tells us that the actual, total, final, the fulfillment offering, fulfillment seed, offspring of Abraham is who? It was Jesus Christ. He was the one that was going to not just save the nations economically because the curse that was upon nations is not just a curse of poverty. It's an eternal spiritual curse that will drive us away from God forever. So Jesus was not coming to just bring material or financial blessing. The Abrahamic blessing that was coming, the Abrahamic blessing that was upon Jesus was to bless the nations by giving them eternal salvation. Where Joseph was the economic savior of the nations, Jesus became the eternal savior of the nations and if you are the kind of person that is here and you are looking for the Abrahamic blessing let me tell you the fulfillment of the Abrahamic blessing comes when you believe in Jesus Christ it is then you are not cursed why? because Galatians 3 verse 13 says this Christ has redeemed us by becoming a curse for us for it is written curse is everyone who is hung on a pole why? he redeemed us in order that the 
blessing given to Abraham might come to the nations through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So all of you that are here that are Christians and have received the Holy Spirit, you have received the Abrahamic blessing. But the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22 is given to us as a sign of God's approval but it is guaranteeing what is meant to come. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have God's approval. But it is a guarantee of what is to come. In the new heaven and new earth, there is not going to be any poor person there. So now if he gives us a foretaste, all of a sudden we start to even take off the material blessings that are there. Why? So that we can go and bless the nations. How do we bless the nations? We take the gospel to the nations. How do we take the gospel to the nations? Not just because we preach, but we are able to fund the gospel. And that is why God is going to bless us. May you be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. May you be blessed in your, in your going out. May you be blessed in your coming in. May you be blessed in the field. May you be blessed in the, in the city. May you be blessed in the works of your hands. May the Lord bring about a supernatural wealth in your life in the name of Jesus. So that this gospel can go and bless the nations. Thank you for listening to the gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.